Anyway, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, these governance things are kind of interesting. I, I, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, I've wanted to create some sort of some types of projects that, um, like, we're getting closer and closer to being able to create without having any coding knowledge. Um, that's what's interesting to me. Like, both financial products that you can create, um, trading strategies and whatever on chain. Because let's face it, like. 99% of what people do on chain is try to make money. They're not trying to like govern anything. Like they're like, so like number go up is one of the most important uh, use cases um, or trading is one of the most use cases in the crypto space for sexes, for DEXs, for, you know, crypto in general. It's the reason why most people are playing around with it. And um, so that's, I think, an important infrastructure and then the governance piece of it. But the ability for like anybody to create a coin or whatever that they think is useful for something um, is kind of a cool thing. Um, but then it's like, why do you need endless tokens, right? Like anybody can create a token with token factory and, um, no one's going to buy your token or whatever. What's the point of it? So tying the token to some kind of purpose, DAOs might be one purpose, like trading algorithms, maybe another purpose sort of like a value accrual mechanism. Um, you know, so there, there's like different things you can do with these things, but it's fairly limited in the sense that like, you're not curing cancer with this shit. You're not like, you know, like, like how many things do you think you're going to do on chain? Um, D-PIN, we talked about it earlier, like, okay, you can pay for certain cloud services or something like that. Um, or, you know, and if it gets really complicated, like imagine like you are controlling, you know, computational systems via governance or something like that. Or you're, you're doing all sorts of like on-chain decisions that impact what computer networks do in one form or fashion. That could be interesting. So um, it's like, uh, how do you get a group of people to control a bunch of shit that happens in a computer network? A at some core level, that's what we're talking about, pretty much. But Sefi, you mentioned you mentioned like one word that's really important, guys, on chain. Like literally, like the on chain, off chain, fucking convo. Like, is like that's the the whole heart of the entire thing of Deezer, is it? Is Chubby Baby joined us? Holy fuck, Chubby Baby! <clears throat> he's on. Uh, he's uh, he's on the last single. He's on the next one as well. Uh, but yeah, man, on chain. I wish people would fucking realize what that fucking means. I just want to ask something very quickly, Pedro. Did you just say there's no way of like doing real world assets with tokens, or have I missed half a conversation? Uh, no, I was saying specifically regarding real estate. Um... Because every, I don't know. Can, can I stop you there? Actually, every they have they have a centralized organization that actually determines what actually happens with the real estate. They have courts that decide that type of thing, and True. it's not something that can be determined simply from the blockchain. And ah, I was so interested in something that was specifically in relation to real estate so i can, I I can give you an example that. you're wrong dude like very very quickly sorry i don't have long that's it. I, I just heard you say that so I, i'll give you just one quick example and Safi knows i love my xrp but there's a reason behind why i'm bringing them up now so xrp are building private ledgers for each individual company for cdbcs that have to adhere to a specific set of rules per country 
it's not hard to do that for tokenization of real estate. I mean, it, it's already happening now. Uh, that's what XRP's next focus is, uh, is real estate. I mean, HSBC have already tokenized gold. If you can tokenize a real world asset like gold, which would still be restricted by different trade avenues, then, and they've moved it onto a private ledger. I don't know which one, couldn't say. Real estate is going to be a piece of piss with the aim of taking out, say, uh, brokers and things like that, uh, it, it's, it's, it, it's easily doable. I just, you'd have to be, you know, you'd have to have your fingers no, all the what, time. What, what Pedro wow. said. No. Wow, <laughs> wait a minute, Steffi, 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 who's that guy? Who's that? They've really done a job on him. Is he for yeah, real? Exactly. <laughs> Dude, your head, your what cloud is your head on right now? Let, let, oh my exactly. goodness! Let me clarify, Chugs. Like that's the Pedro's actually correct, and you're you're actually incorrect. So I I deal with a lot of real estate. I own a lot of real estate. And here's the problem. So if you have a house, so if I go and I want to buy a house today, um, number one, I have to go prove that that house exists because I have to show up at my bank and like they're gonna say, okay, do you own this land? And um, okay, who's selling you this house? or you're trying to construct a house, show me the plans for this house. We're gonna have a city auditor go and confirm that the land is what you say it is so that you can use it as collateral. They're gonna have a like, hang on, hang on. appraiser. They're gonna have a physical appraiser in the real world. Hold up a second. The real no, 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 world appraiser. I own a house. I, I own my house. But a so real world, hold on, pay attention, pay attention. Real world appraiser is gonna go and they're gonna find out to make sure that the value of your house is what you say it is, that you haven't dirtied the house up. There's nothing on chain that can happen that can prove that your house is in good condition without a physical human being showing up at your house and checking the thing to make sure it's in good working condition. Now, you could take that information and record it on chain. So for example, an appraiser, a title company, a uh, lending organization would all have to record their data on chain to make it useful. But what Pedro is trying to say is you're not going to do the entire thing on chain because who is going to actually verify the house? The blockchain is not going to verify that your house exists. Or right, that I get that. Or that's that you burn it down, right? You I'm also confirming that you're talking about a mortgage, right? You're not talking about an outright purchase of a house because you don't need to go to a bank to do that. You just need no, to No, but like, let's say, no, but you do. But like, there's, but there's real world jur legal problems with houses too. Yeah, yeah you need let's, a solicitor, et cetera. Yeah, so no, I, I agree with that. Let's say you have a house and you decided to hold elephants inside that house and grow elephants and like your neighbors are pissed off and now they sue you. Like, the the value of your house could go down, you know, other things could happen, you could have damage to your house, but those things are not reflected on the value of your house on chain necessarily. So here is I'm coming to buy your house and you're like, hey, I have this house in the UK, it's worth X and it's like, here's uh, it's $100,000 in XRP to buy my house, let's whatever, right? And then I'm gonna be like, okay, I could buy your coin that represents your house, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your house is worth what that coin says it is at that moment. Right, so the so real world assets implies real world um, administration and an entire real world legal and other system to make that work. The tokenization piece is just the last step in a like multi step token that would include okay, do you have insurance for the house? Do you have it in good working condition? So the appraiser has you know, put a token on the blockchain that says that your house has been appraised this week. Right, you have like you know, how much uh, residual, you know, mortgage do you have on the loan? That might be, you know, part of the token record. There's a lot of things that can go on chain as a piece of data on a computer system, but blockchain does not dramatically change how, um, like, a house works, except in things like fraud. So, like, 
title fraud is a thing where someone claims that they have a title to my house and they show up with pieces of paper that say, hey, look, I have the title to your house. You don't own your house. And I'm like, wait, no, that's not true. Here's my paper. I have, I own the house. So even today in the United States, there's something called title insurance you have to have in case someone, some ridiculous situation happens with two different title companies and someone does fraud and claims that they own your house when they really don't. So even now there's like title insurance on your title company to make sure that your someone doesn't come and make a false claim in the future. Like the whole thing is a big mess. But the point is like all of that happened over a hundred plus years of like sorting out how to manage all this and um, like tokenizing it doesn't necessarily solve for the any of the real world component of it. Like it just doesn't. So if you look at companies that are trying to tokenize um, real estate or whatever, it might be for like, you know, if you have like the token that represents your job, a token that represents your income, a token that represents your um, house as collateral, then maybe you could go on Ave and take a loan for some money or something, right? This is the theory. Is like, know, the question is always, what would be the absolute advantage to go on the blockchain rather than using whatever database, right? That's exactly. just the question. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So like, what could it, what does a blockchain do that a regular computer database wouldn't? And that's the other thing. If your title organizations are largely centralized, decentralizing the rec record of your title, does that make much difference? That's a, t that's a huge debate, right? Like, you know, because the, the weakest point of centralization and decentralization is the most centralized portion. And, um, you know, so that's, that's the way to think of it. I mean, the only thing I, as I said, I'm just telling you what they're trying to do. I'm not necessarily saying it's gonna happen. Uh, but it's, yeah, I, I can tell you one good example, trade, uh, broker fees straight up, you negate broker fees and it just goes by tax of whatever you're doing on the transfer of the blockchain. And that would be the, the only advantage that I see right now, because obviously you still have to adhere to everything else, you know, legally. Yeah. Cause at that point, like the home title and all sorts of other components would have to be, um, you know, you know, like recorded somewhere. Right. But that also doesn't mean that you automatically get to keep, um, like, it could get also interesting and like what happens if your house is tokenized, you have it in a ledger in a hard wallet. And now like that demonstrates that you own this thing, but then what happens if like you die and um, that has to be transferred to somebody? Is it lost now? Like who owns this house now? And like how many different copies of this are there? And then like, how are you going to utilize the tokenization to make it like, you know, like, you, and, you probably need to make a backup wallet that's entrusted to like your insurance company or something. Cause they always want here, to try. Here's, the, here's the other thing, Chugs without KYC though. Here's the other thing. Like, how do you know that like, there's not two tokens for the same house? There's no way to know this. Right. So this, is the to this, is the, this is the fraud problem. What's that? I said it'd probably have to come from a registered blockchain that has some sort of certification that can, you know, can provide such a thing. Like it, but yeah. how does that differ from having the centralized database? Exactly. Well, that's what that's exactly what um, uh, Noob was saying. That like it's just a database at that point. I suppose what you could have is a bunch of validators running nodes for this chain, and then uh, they get gas fees based on sales and purchases. That yeah, would be that's the, exactly uh, what Chainlink's doing. That's how that works. Yeah, that's the Chainlink or real-world asset thing too. Same same concept, but like, yeah, I mean, I. I it's not to say that you couldn't do interesting things with this stuff. All that we're saying is that it doesn't eliminate like a major portion of the real world actual verification process at all. 
Because the blockchain can't prove that you have your house in good condition. Only an appraiser can do that, right? So the appraiser would have to yeah. like come to your house and record that yes, it's been appraised. So it'd be almost very similar to like the service record on your car. Like if you have the service record of your car on blockchain, um, is it that much different than using CarMax or whatever, which is what people use now? Like probably not much different. And the end user experience wouldn't be very different either. Um, I think another relevant point is most of these uh, real estate, real W asset, uh, real wood assets, they're basically uh, apartments, uh, rental properties, that type of thing, where they require a property manager. You've got to have people that are paying rent. You'd need to ensure that the rent's being paid, that I know the inspections are being made. It, it just it it doesn't make sense at the moment to be able to have that as a tokenized thing on the blockchain. And not only that, but like, um, mm, like what, what added advantage are you getting? That's always the trick. Like, yeah, I mean, the accuracy of the thing and the fact that everyone's on the same ledger is probably useful. But it's not that different from a government database at that point where you know that the government is a trusted entity. And the government becomes a trusted entity anyway, because at the end of the day, guess what? If you have a problem with the house, let's say you, um, you bought the house from somebody because they had a tokenized version of this house. You sort of like got this house and then like you find out, wait a minute, the house is not as, as described. This guy broke all the walls inside the house before he gave it to me. Um, it doesn't solve the problem of like someone still has to sue somebody in a legal environment to get like, you know, money for something that um, wasn't represented appropriately. Right. So the legal system's still there. You still don't lose the like real world dispute system just because you have a blockchain involved or tokenization involved. Like, there's no way to do that. Well, what about like new business models that are emerging where you have the entire, like all payments are made on chain, right? Like the customer base is sending money on chain for some sort of service. Then you could have a real world asset where you just, you know, people are entitled, like holders are entitled to a portion of that. Like I think we've already seen that a lot of decentralized exchanges or DAOs sort of have that model. So I think in a way that's kind of a real world asset, maybe like a hybrid asset. I'm not quite sure how you'd categorize it, but I think that's really interesting. Yeah, interesting. But at the same time, it's like it creates new sort of like legal hurdles. Let's say, for example, a um, 100 people own a house, right? It's almost like a tokenized house. And now like, you can own a fraction of this house. Something bad happens to this house. Um, like, which of those 100 people is it's like almost like timeshares or something, you know, like, who actually is responsible for for like handling the problem. So let's say a, a hundred people online own this house. And um, s like, let's say some problems happen where the front lawn gets damaged and the homeowner associations, like someone's got to fix this fucking lawn. And uh, like, like, like there would have to be an entirely, you know, you know, full DAO and organization set tooling to figure out like, you know, where the money comes from, to pay for repairing the grass because traditionally when you have like a house there is an owner and the legal system goes after that owner the homeowner association can sue the owner for that the repairs or whatever based on the the local organization they can get you to do whatever 
So like, there's just a lot of like off-chain reality things that happen that you don't fully solve for, like just because you tokenize something. And that's that's all I was we were trying to point out. And like, there there's probably some tokenization efficiencies that happen at some level, but they certainly don't solve all problems for sure. Yeah, I think more with like, what about SaaS businesses? I think that would be a real way. Like, we've got these new hybrid SaaS businesses that are going to be both. You know, they might even have like a Web2 product, but their revenue stream is like via Web3 means. So then you can control that. Like, I don't quite know what you call it. Like, is that a real world asset? What exactly is that? But I, I do think that's probably something. The whole once, you're, the new once you're purely in the digital space, I was going to say, once you're purely in the digital space, the game changes. So if you're talking about, say, mm, NFT art, or let's say you're talking about access to a metaverse world, or you're talking about like, you know, access to cloud computing on a cosh network or something like that. Once you're talking about the digital space. Stuffy, you're talking about trade-offs. I mean, basically, that's what you're talking about is trade-offs. That's all it is. Like the, mm -hmm. with, blockchain, yeah. with blockchain, there's always a fucking trade-off about what can be done on-chain versus off-chain. That's it. That's like the root of convo of what you're talking about, right? Yeah, and there's another interesting thing, too, is like not all data is worth storing for the rest of eternity. Right. It's like the expiration of some data makes sense because otherwise you're going to spend like computing power to store junk data for the rest of time. Right. Like that's another interesting Correct. thing. Blockchain. Correct. Exactly. So why do I need to get five other people to vote on restaking fucking like like staking rewards? Like it just doesn't make sense. You're just wasting. This is a thing like efficiency. And it's not about like, like it's n moving forward. It's not going to be about capital efficiency because we're all like really clued up. Like for people like us, it's going to be about like personnel. Like who can we deploy when, in which situation to do what actions like, and how can that like vote of trust be on that person? Like I can't fucking wait for what's coming, man. But so the, the RW... Quickly, guys, quickly, flatter me, flatter me for one minute. B bands. She's in the group chat, she's in the DMs. Uh, you know, she's talking about supply chain tokens. She's talking about track. You know, there's others. Like, if you're going to go and put your money in something like supply chain tokens, you need your fucking head looking at. Like, Sefi was talking about these narratives and things earlier. Like, Sefi, oh, sorry about the motorbikes. Like, like yeah, 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 yeah. Like, if you think you're going to make money, I'm like, say to my good friend, like, B-Bands, give your head a shake. Like, didn't get this narrative. Like, it's never going to make fucking money. Please, if, if you want to talk about crypto, anyone, just tell me how I'm going to make money. Like, that's what I'm really interested in, like, personally, but also, like, the betterment of the ego. But holy fuck, man. People have just got the wrong idea about a lot of this RWA, this deep in the narratives, the bullshit narratives we're being fed, unfortunately. I mean, I strongly disagree that these I are we've had, right? Like, we've had lucky up we here. We are building hybrid He's been up here as a speaker for a while. Can we bring him up? Um, hold up, that Morgan, you're saying what? Yeah, I, like, I actually, I'm pretty bullish on all this. You know, I think that we're building hybrid systems and it's not, like not everything has to be completely decentralized and on-chain to still be a hybrid system that benefits from blockchain technology. Just having the ability to trade well, that's and what I said about trade -off. That, That's a trade-off. Yeah. That's a trade-off, isn't it? 
That's not, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I actually think there are benefits. Now, that being said, I, I do agree with you a lot that a lot of these projects that say, oh, we're doing like supply chain or whatever, you know, they might not have that much legitimate uh, use cases to stand on. Um, but we're moving towards that. And, you know, we're going to see 90% of stuff fail. But there's going to be 10% of things that are really going to take off and actually provide genuine real money. They won't make money. They won't make real generational wealth revenue is what I'm trying to see. I, think. I, I get will. where you're coming yeah. from. Not in this bull run. Yeah, there's tech, the supply, that's the supply and there's tech that will make the end users that own the tech like money. And that there, there is a difference there, too. I agree. Supply um, chain won't take, make your money. Take, for example... Supply chain won't make your money in 15 years' time. Like, if you're on the supply chain train now, please just go and put your house on a fucking board here or something because you haven't got a clue. Like, literally, there's fuck all money to be made for all Robo, my advice to you is just in case they do make money, try and throw some like you know, little like you know you probably won't rather than you won't because it'll be you eating like you know <laughs> it'll be you with an egg on your face if I they know. do end up making money. Look, 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 I don't want to be negative. I love the advancement of the tech. I'm not like against like supply chain tech and blah blah blah. Being, I mean, I was like uh, fetch in 2020 back in the early days when they were first or when the early shit were Bosch, like. It's just I've learned in three years that anybody that comes to me and B-Band's a very good friend that comes to me and they like really think they're going to like be able to make money from a fucking supply chain narrative. Dude, you're in the wrong game. You should not be in crypto like and, and that's not a say it's not a bad thing to put supply chain on a blockchain. Same thing as like university records, notice, health notice, records. By the way, Robert, notice how nobody cares about that shit during the bear market. It's only during a bull market where everyone starts spilling up YouTube videos and narratives and all of a sudden everyone's excited again. <laughs> Can I just give you guys an example of a supply chain coin that is actually prompted to hit triple digits in the next like three months due to China? Trias, one example there where it, yeah, it's been... I agree. So, Trias is unbelievable. By the way, that's one of my favorite coins, dude. Holy fuck, I've been in that for it's, it's years. A but it's a... Supply chain coin, which goes against everything you've just said, and if you've got it it's as well, not though. It's not though, is it? It is it's now. Really. It's, a leg- it's, it's being used for supply chains and Chinese logistics companies. It by the no, Chinese no. government. It, it's just been announced like, two weeks ago. Trias is a bet on him. Trias is a bet on him. He's United genius. He's like you the link guy. Like you can choose like parts of a project, just like to point out, like it, it's literally been picked up by the Chinese government for logistics and supply chains. Go look at the most recent news, which would go against everything you've just like waffled on about saying it's got no like. Okay, no, you've give us one. You give us one. Can you give me <laughs> the other ten or twenty? Can you give me another one? So you give me I one. Done, give me another I haven't one. done the research, so I couldn't say anything. I'm just asking if you can give me another one. That's all. Like, Here's all right, the other thing, I, I, guys. Keep like to be really fair. Um, like the the most of the the price action of coins, especially utility tokens. Like, if it does something, then you're basically like, you know, the price of the coin at the bottom of the bear market is the actual value of the coin. Because if that was what it was going to be used for. That's the price that like someone would buy if they were going to buy it for utility. The floor is the utility. The tops are simply just um, pumpamentals. 
And there's a big difference. Just because something's useful for something doesn't mean the coin value has to be worth that. A perfect example I mentioned earlier today was Akash. Akash maybe has like $3,000 worth of revenue per day on the network. The token with market cap is worth like $700 billion or something of that nature. Does that make any sense? The answer is it does not. And I'm telling you now, like, it doesn't matter that Akash is useful. It doesn't matter what it does. If Apple has a price to earnings ratio of 10 million, well, guess what? Apple's stock is overvalued. And you have to be careful with assuming that just because your coin price goes up, that that has anything to do with how useful it is long-term. It doesn't I just like when, when you associate value, my value is whatever I sell it for is its value, and then I'm out. <laughs> on Trias, on Trias, what what is it at the minute? It's about it's probably about fifty uh, percent of its all time high, right? Yeah, it, it's had. I mean, it's like render. It's one of those. It's always going to have a great run up. I'll tell you what, bro. Come back in six months and let's have this conversation and see where we are. I agree yeah, with you. No, totally. in, a, in, a, in a bull market, I'm not disagreeing that everything goes up. Um, there, there's lots of stuff that goes up. In fact, if you bought Trios, um, I owned it last year, but if you bought it like at um, you know, 92 cents and it went up to $13 and you've made a good 13x, you're pretty comfortable and happy with that, right? Um, so at the same time, like if I bought Zephyr at $1.80 and it goes to $52, I'm pretty happy with that. But the but the lows are where the values ultimately determined and where the market actually places, you know, like once you take the speculative multiples out of it and everything can run. in a. But the thing is, like, which coins actually have a value accrual mechanism that brings back value to the, the coin itself? So take, for example, a stock. So you might have like Apple stock and it has a dividend and they do buybacks with the profits. So you you take supply off the market and. That's part of where like Apple gets its value. Something like Trias or Chainlink or whatever. Chainlink had like shit for like value accrual mechanism in the past. Like it had basically like XRP, same story. Like these are coins that like supposedly did something, but you they weren't integral to the like necessity of the network to work. Um, most of the value of the coin was used as a security token, and like you know the company got some benefits from it, and maybe like your token price goes up and down purely on narrative. But like take Chainlink as an example, they're adding utilities to the actual coin so that there's function there. And that might actually have some additional yeah, value. I think a lot of this in is the future. you're well, putting two, your three, trust in your three, funding. Three, 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 like, you, it's sort of like Kickstarter in a way where like, you know, you don't necessarily not. I shouldn't give Kickstarter because you can actually purchase products there. But in, in a way, you're kind of like believing in a team, right? You know, you're investing in a team. Yeah, you're not exactly. investing necessarily. Like, oh, this smart contract says I will get X percentage of all revenue. You know, there are right, some projects right, I, like that. And I think that hopefully will be the future is verifiable like dividends or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, right now we're in a place where you kind of have to trust the team. And, you know, that's actually why I'm really curious yeah. to see. Um, I'm interested. There's this anonymous movement in blockchain where people like to found things anon and, and all this stuff. And, and I understand the reasons why. Yeah. But there, you lose a yeah. lot of that verifiability. Like, I, I actually would like if there was more personalities behind the blockchain industry like i'm public right you know i'm not a non you know yeah. i i like to like i have so, my linkedin and everything like that and it's because i'm a founder in this space but i want people not only to trust the contracts but also like trust me like i'm building a real thing and i think that's really valuable of course yeah like no in this in like life in general not just in crypto but like there are roles for anonymity and there's roles for like uh 
verifiability and truth. So like the two tickers I have up top, like link is about Oracle's bringing in truth into the computing world. Whereas Zephyr, which is a completely different thing, is a privacy chain that um, the entire point is if I want to pay five people and I don't want each of them to know exactly how much I paid the others, then, you know, privacy is going to be necessary, right? So like you need both. Um, and I think like uh, depending on your practical application, you will have need for open ledgers and closed ledgers as well. Um, it, it just depends on the situation, I think. Um, say, for example, like, you don't want to go to Starbucks to buy a coffee. You pay with an open ledger coin. Um, you know, the, the clerk at Starbucks can check your wallet address and then determine, like, oh, you're a billionaire and they can kidnap your children and hold them for ransom. This is not fun. So, like, having a privacy transactional layer does make sense in that context, right? So, yeah, I think, like, um, to me, like, uh, Chainlink represents, like, truth. and um, uh, um, Zephyr or Monero, things like that represent, you know, privacy or secrets. And um, you need a bit of both. And that's fine. We, we need both in the world. And I think like Chainlink is interesting. Um, it's one of my like heavier bags for the the season. And um, um, the, the number of like overall achievements that the Chainlink team has made, um, you know, with all the new announcements at the recent conference, we've covered some of those is like, really by far and away like exceeding most crypto projects on the planet today like so if like the to me from an investor thesis perspective is like why would i buy chainlink today because it's the one that institutions are more likely to buy it's the one that's going to get like real world um media play right so even from a speculative standpoint like you want the thing that gets some attention um you want things that have legitimacy because things that have like real world legitimacy with real world teams, like you said, are going to have, um, are going to catch a bid. And they're also going to be safer in terms of like their bottom price. Whereas ultra speculative stuff that is purely like, you know, like almost absolutely based on pure speculation, those Basically things. Basically Ponzi are, schemes. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and there's lots of them. And, and by the way, like my, my negative link would be that like, if you like want to talk about a security token, it's interesting the SAC didn't go after Chainlink at all. But like, let's face it, like the token distribution for Chainlink is a straight up security, like just no question about it, right? Like team has like half the tokens or whatever. And um, and that, I'm fine with that in a sense, like I got into, when I buy it, I know that that's the case and I'm comfortable with the idea that I'm financing the, I'm sort of like indirectly financing the Chainlink team. Um, but I think like even, and that's true in stocks too, I think where the SEC has a problem generally with these types of things is that these are unregistered securities um, and they have probably a fair argument in that respect but i'm not arguing that Chainlink's not a security just to pump my bags i mean it clearly like what else would be a security if that's not so but i still think despite all of that i think it's they've performed really well this is not one of these teams that just took your tokens dumped them the thing goes to zero and they don't produce anything so i think morgan like the i'm i'm with you and that like some fraction of what we are paying for in crypto is you're paying for expenses of networks like validation fees you're sort of paying indirectly for it like through inflation in many cases i mean building if a world-class engineering team is just crazy yeah. expensive right but like if yeah. you get some of the best people in the industry all working towards the same goal you're going to accomplish some super cool shit 
And like, that's required, right? You know, if we want to yeah. build a future, we need a bunch of super smart people working in the same place, working on the same common goal. And that's sure. an expensive thing to do, but like whatever it takes for us to get that, I think is worthwhile. Yeah. But and the like, problem is you have like, a bunch of people instead who are just like, let's throw a dog on a token, or let's just say we're working on AI systems or whatever. And, you know, and, and like, because you can't verify, you don't know who works there. You really like, they might say they're some super smart engineer, but you know, it, results speak for themselves. So I'm hoping that our industry goes more towards results oriented, right? Like, Chainlink just will launch a bunch yeah. of products, you know? So try to invest to me, in stuff like that. To me, Chainlink, the way I describe Chainlink is, to me, it's a bellwether for quality. If, like, Chainlink's price is going up, typically it means that um, smarter money is showing up to the space. If it doesn't go up, and it's just everything else is randomly pumping, then um, it's not as good of a sign, right? Like, in my head, like, that's how I think of this. But remember, like, you and I are thinking right curve. The reality is in the real world, people love to go play at Chuck E. Cheese. They like to hit the skee ball machines and they'd like to like get tickets and buy PlayStations or spider rings, right? So I don't necessarily denigrate the people who want to use the blockchain space for entertainment necessarily. I think that's fine. Like, in fact, um, like a lot of people have downloaded wallets and things purely to play on meme coins, and then they come and discover you know, more interesting shit, right? It's almost like if you go play at Chuck E. Cheese and your kid then learns to games and then learns how to do programming afterwards, right? Sometimes entertainment is sort of the carrot that brings people into the space, so. Jeffy, dude, I, 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 I was listening earlier and this thought came in my mind and then you've just reiterated it. Like, dude, I didn't have like a real life like use case for like crypto in Thailand, right? until weed became legal. And let me tell you, so I've now got six weed shops on my village, right? And the first weed shop that was ever here on my village, right? Didn't take crypto, didn't know anything. And I'm like, oh, dude, I've been ordering from this guy in the city, like they're taking crypto. Now, all fucking weed shops in my village now take crypto, right? Like I can now pay for me weed, and that not only that the Thai government don't know, like the IRS, our internal IRS, whatever, like, bro, I can literally now, like, I, I have a real life use case. Like, I can literally trade on chain. I can Just saying, we are about so much more than that. I am not here to build a media yeah, by which people not, can, like, skirt the government or, or skirt regulation. Like, I'm here because I want to build real world no, use cases. No, no, that were being... not possible before blockchain. And that's where we should all be focusing. In fact, I don't even like the fact that so many people are focused on trading and making money, right? We have so much work to do. There is so much to build. Don't spend your time. You don't like people trading and making money. Spend your time working with these applications, learning about the real benefits, educating others. That is what should be. Morgan, though, like, I'm a critical care physician at like. I agree with that. I'm not so letting you know. Like, like, you know, like, you know, you know, calm down, calm down. I can't agree. Sorry, I can't agree with that. What that guy just said there. I mean, does he want to repeat what he just said? Because I cannot agree one iota with what your man just said. Like, bro, you don't want to bring in all sorts of people. You don't want people to make money. All I do, wait, all I do, all I want is people to trade and make money. So, like, bro, I'm sorry, but you're not. Like, didn't it be my friend? Sorry, dude. 
No, build, building stuff is cool and everything, but like the reality is a lot of people, even in the stock market, are not there to like understand the tech that they're buying. So for example, if I own Boeing stock, I might own it because like I support the company. I think maybe planes are good. Maybe they paid me some dividends or whatever. I can own part of the business. But the reality is like investors do matter. And uh, like even video games, like take, for example, video games as a gateway to people becoming programmers. Like a lot of people when I was you know, growing up in the 80s and everything, like uh, a lot of why I was playing on a computer was pure entertainment. But then I learned to do all sorts of other stuff with that computer. Um, the same is true of like traders and stuff. Some people enter into the crypto space because like, oh, I can make money. Some people end up becoming true, like literally developers from that. Not everyone will, though. Um, like, so I think everyone uh, in the human race, like has their different purposes for their money. What you don't want to do is like limit the amount of money that flows into the space. In fact, the traders are great because then the more volatility there is, the more people actually come in, put more money into the space. And then you have like funding to do all the cool things you want to do. If you have a dried out space where there's no volatility, I can tell you this right now you're basically screwed because you have no way to actually fund the actual system. People come for the, the like capital markets are all about investors showing up to throw money at things that they have no idea about. Because you're not going to ex expect like the guy working at McDonald's, he might be like, yeah, I'll buy some chain link coins. I, I heard it might be interesting. It's fine if they do that. Like, and then legit projects will get benefit from that. But to expect the, the kid working at McDonald's who like spins up the milkshake machine, to sort of like immediately learn programming, it's just not going to happen. Like only a small fraction of the human race is actually smart enough to do any half decent programming. Like this is just fact. Like, <laughs> and this is just like, um, and, and that's just kind of part of the yeah. the thing. Like, not everyone's. I, I guess there'll be a lot more. Yeah, research. I guess I really appreciate that perspective. You know, frankly, like I think I live sort of in a glass house or not, or whatever. Like, um, maybe uh, like I'm isolated from what our community wants. That's actually yeah, kind like, of why we're, I'm like, we're gonna be trying though. to show up to more stuff like this is because like I I want people to challenge, you know, my sort of like programmer opinionated, like never leave my office thing. Uh, but at the same time, I do think even people that don't program should probably be involved more than they are. Like just try using a decentralized application, you know, like for, for something, whether it's decentralized like, social media or anything, there's more you can do yeah, than we just were talking program. Yeah, we were talking earlier about how to use like some DAO tooling software that someone had created, like Jay Cartnell and his gang, like it's called DAO DAO. And it's amazing stuff that you can do all this cool governance and voting things and all sorts of cool stuff. But yeah, like we definitely talk about that stuff, too. Um, we're not like pure, like only trader types. Actually, this space has a lot more technical types than than vast majority like of people. So I've been around this sort of thing a lot. I've been playing around with computers since they came out pretty much 8086s and like ti calculators and shit so i'm a bit older but anyway the um the like the 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 tech we appreciate but the thing is like there's also a lot of tech morgan that gets produced and it doesn't go anywhere because no one knows about it and that's an interesting phenomenon and in crypto in particular you get what's called the price meme effect where the whatever is going up in value people presume that that's a more useful project but that's not always the case you have a lot of good projects in in the crypto space or if for that matter in the stock market that don't catch a bid because for whatever reason, like the people involved don't know how to like really market that thing or like get it out there. And then no new investors come. There's a weird feedback loop in crypto is when price goes up, more people buy it. And then if it's cheap, nobody wants a thing. It's just a weirdly really weird human psychology thing. 
So you, what you get in crypto is these gigantic pump and dump cycles where the price goes up, up, and away. And that's because as the price goes higher and higher, the dumber money shows up and goes, you know, the water cooler talk at the office is, hey, it's crypto's going up. Did you buy some? And then, of course, it just goes up, up, and away. And then it all dumps at once because, like, all of a sudden people start selling and there's not any buy pressure. So all of the, like, psychologic factors about trading and all that are super important. The reason they're important is if you don't understand these really well, you're going to get wrecked as far as any kind of investment. So, so there's different parts of this. I think the technical parts, like fundamentals, why like, you know, a crypto project or stock or whatever else is useful is very important. But on the other hand, like, don't underestimate the power of just straight meme energy. Like, look what happened to something like Dogecoin. You can, you can imagine, like, most of the companies in the S&P 500 would have loved to have simply had a Dogecoin run at some point in their history like, and had that much attention or like, you know, the AMC stock run, a GMC, you know, GME run. Like these are things that like, if you can combine smart uh, technology with like, um, I don't know, great pumpamentals or bring capital into that thing, you have the magic like combination to do great things. Like, but I've seen so many tech companies over the past, whatever, 40 years disappear into literal oblivion because they couldn't um, get enough funding or become popular enough or whatever. So there is a, like a two sides to this. And I think what's interesting about crypto is these cycles that we get with BTC cycles were like, well, first of all, the, the, the cyclicality of Bitcoin was designed specifically um, with the Bitcoin white paper to cause supply shocks and create dramatic price variability while also creating like this sort of cyclicality that brings people in and out of the space over and over again. And what that does is it creates a gigantic advertising mechanism for the crypto space and brings gigantic amounts of liquidity in. And it's been happening for the past 10 plus years. And that's allowed for companies like Chainlink and others to sort of emerge and get access to dramatic amounts of liquidity very quickly that is very different funding mechanisms from, say, the stock market. So the the capital markets, the cryptocurrency piece of crypto, to me, is like a really great way to bring lots of money from all over the world um, without the traditional markets into a space that otherwise wouldn't necessarily get access like that. So I've seen developers create like little tiny little projects, you know, go to like 50 mil market caps within, you know, months or whatever or maybe even half billion market caps within within a year, et cetera. And that's something very difficult to do in sort of a crowdfunded sort of way in traditional markets. Yeah. So I think that I'm actually all this matters. I'm kind of curious about this. Like if you'd have advice for like, so uh, full disclosure, by the way, I, I do work at Chainlink Labs, but I'm working on a side project that's not related. Like it, it uses Chainlink, but it's not like, it's not affiliated with the company. And uh, it's in social media sponsorships. Um, anyway, the I'm kind of curious though, like how do you have advice for starting a project like this? Like, do I launch a token? Like, I, I don't really know because I don't want to be distracted because the whole thing is like, this is an actual useful application in spite of any tokenization or any of that stuff, right? It's like facilitating social media sponsorship deals and maybe just take a percentage of whatever uh, flows through it. But now I'm trying to decide, like, I yeah, want to make this a thing, but I don't know, should I tokenize it? Like, is that just a distraction? What's your thought? It could be. It could be. Like, a lot of things don't need a token. We know that for sure. Like, a lot of different types of software, um, decentralized or centralized, 
doesn't need a stock or a token necessarily. It just depends on the goals. Um, tokenization helps if you believe you like, first of all, like the SEC is correct in the sense that like many people use tokens as a form of simple security and under registered security where like, let's say you hold half the token supply, you know, you have other half that you, you know, send to the community somehow, um, seated somewhere and then like people come and buy the token and your token pumps you sell it and use that as a funding mechanism that's basically a security function of a coin right so securitization um is a thing but like the vast majority of people that are doing that in the crypto space are not living in the united states anymore because like of sec concerns they're tending to go to dubai or some other place like seychelles or singapore or whatever and run the company from there if you want to like register security um, and do it that way, I suppose it's possible. I don't know exactly like how that. Well, what, are, what about tokenization models where like the token isn't a security? Like, I, I think this is an under uh, underappreciated aspect that can be possible with crypto. But like, for yeah, example, like if you don't if you don't own any any of it and you don't have like any tokens to dump on your community, you just have the token as some like integral feature of securing the network or it depends like is it a or, you know, or like or like it has like utility in that like one of my thoughts is you know how do advertisers and influencers like find each other to make deals and you could imagine some sort of like message board style thing or listings kind of board kind of like craigslist or whatever where people could stake their um their advertiser their like their listing where they're promoting themselves like hey i want trying to make a deal with influencers in the nft space to promote this or that and you know to get their posts seen so that they can actually find influencers you could like stake uh their their listing like that might be an interesting thing because i could sell those tokens for people to stake it's not a security because like i don't i'm not selling it to you with the intent that you resell it for a profit or anything like that it's like you're buying this you're staking it you can resell the coins if if you want like it's an erc20 token i can't stop you but i'm not selling it with the intent that you're gonna like all of a sudden profit like i'm kind of curious the perspective of the group like is that a security what is that it's never really been done before yeah pretty much any token that you sell to somebody else um tends to be more or less a security yes well like, it's a taylor <laughs> like, swift for the ticket most part. security right like we saw people can buy a taylor swift ticket they're resold on a secondary yeah. market clearly people are selling it for way more than they bought it and it's tradable but like i don't think the sec is coming after people that are reselling taylor swift tickets that's that's an argument people have made is that like if you get to a certain level like NFTs and also even just routine things like tickets tend to be securities as well. Um, if you get to a certain level, like why haven't they gone after people that sell tickets to a show or something? You know, like yeah, people have made this argument when people when SEC has come after crypto for some of these things. But um, yeah, I mean the the reality is like what the SEC doesn't want you to do is basically produce a coin that um you hold some portion of and then what happens is is that like you are now uh people come and buy that coin and then now your coin's worth 10 million dollars and now you're selling it and now you've pocketed that and the there is a theoretical promise that this coin is supposed to do something or you're selling something that with future possible profitability um, it just so de really strongly depends on what you're producing a coin for, but it's really easy. Try this. Try to go to DAO, D-A-O, D-A-O. You can make yourself your own coin right there pretty like five minutes. 
um, on Cosmos. And um, you can create like voting organizations and all sorts of interesting little things there. Pedro, your mic is uh, turning on over and over again for some reason. Um, and uh, you can do all sorts of interesting things. Um, and you, you just have to ask yourself, like, what is the purpose of the coin? What is the point of it? And you, it, there's a whole layout that goes into building something like this as far as making decisions on what kind of coin, what kind of token distribution, who initially owns it. Is there a multi-sig of multiple people in an organization? Like, it sounds like how, I need a lawyer. Governance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, like, it's, yeah, it's it, like, sort of. Yeah, if you're going to do anything where you gain profit from the system, then yeah, it becomes more complicated because then it's like you have to get approvals and things, and that takes a long time. Was so, there a? More, how would you? It's more if you're actually benefiting off, or if you're profiting off the work of others, and that's where I get the Dow Dow sort of situation, where it's purely based on a certain person or a certain group of people's decision that makes um they make the decision um is yeah whether there, even if it's a group of people um, technically you, you yeah well, if you're living you're, in the united states and you're not anonymous when you're playing in crypto then yes you can you can still wind up stuck it doesn't matter if it's a group of people issuing a security um you still wind up with issues so like to to keep it really simple morgan like um yeah, first decide, like, number one, are you using the token as a funding mechanism for what you are doing? Like, is there, like, is this a way to pay for a specific service? Um, and then, like, you ask yourself, if you just want to sell a service online and you want to accept crypto, you don't have to securitize anything. You don't have to even have a token. You just charge for the service. So there are some projects, um, like, uh, in the crypto space that simply do not have a token. Uh, some trading platforms are an example. They just basically make fees off the transactions on the network, and they don't attempt to make any kind of token related to it. Um, most of the time when a token's created, um, you, know, you know, groups do this so they can like pump, get the token to pump in value, and that way they make like income from the token from selling it at some point by owning a, a large fraction of it. So you'll see token distributions that vary dramatically, but a lot of token distributions are 50 to 80% of the tokens are owned by the initial organization, the venture capitalists, the, um, you know, the founders, whoever. And that's like a whole thing. Um, you can do like, um, yeah. So anyway, long story short is that like, yeah, it's, you really have to clarify what the point of the token is for your project before you can get into like all the layers of legality. So like, that. it basically sounds like, you know, can you we have to bring up like not selling something with the intent that people are trading it. Like maybe people can trade it, but as long as like, if, if I don't profit on the upside of the token, like I'm selling something that has immediate utility, like not the promise of future utility. Like you can take this token in my, you know, just random example, like stake it to like promote your post okay, great. Like that's doing a thing right away. And, and maybe these tokens are ERC twenties, but like, I'm not selling it to you with the expectation you resell it. I'm selling it to you so that you can stake your posts. And then whatever happens after that, you know, it's not really my business. Hmm. Yeah. That, well, at this point, then you'd be talking about more just the fundamental, ec fundamental economics incentive structure to like, make this thing actually get the result that you want, right? Because if it's not worth something, specifically then the question becomes why would someone want this token and why would they stake it 
right? So like, <laughs> the, the, it becomes a fundamental economics question uh, at that point. So it's the economic design of whatever. Yeah, you'd have to like build it. Like a video game, for example, like if I want to buy gold coin, I don't know, from mm -hmm. RuneScape forever ago, you could buy gold coins, right? And like, there was actually a whole market right, right. of people that were like buying and selling them. Yep. But you know, they're Absolutely. probably not securities. And that's an example of something like I'm buying a digital asset, which RuneScape Gold is a digital asset, a centralized one, but still a digital mm -hmm. asset. Okay, well, is that a security right. or not? It, probably not. Or, or even if it is, it would like just fall, fall so far below the radar. But like that's an example of something where I'm buying something yeah. with immediate utility. And I think there's lots of examples beyond yeah. gaming where you can also have something like token, ticket, call it what you want. Like it's a, it's a tradable thing. So I guess token's the best definition. You know, and, and what do you do with that thing? Uh, I think that's what I want to see next is things that are. The question is like, what do you redeem it for? Yes, like, exactly. It's like a ticket at that point. What do you redeem it for? If it's like a Chuck E. Cheese ticket, you know, you can go get like, you know, a spider ring at the last case. If it's like a ticket for a concert, you can, of course, go and like watch the concert, et cetera. So, yeah, it just depends on what would be the point of having it. And if it doesn't have monetary value, like the only other value it could possibly have would be some kind of like consensus voting mechanism usually. Otherwise, what else is the point of the thing generally, right? If you're not paying for something or it's not used as a consensus mechanism, there are only so many use cases for a database entry on a ledger essentially, right? Yeah, I think we just haven't seen them. Yet. Like I, I, here's something I would actually love as a concept for a social media platform. So I, I haven't been on Twitter very long. Like I've just been like, kind of wanted to like get out more. And uh the problem is there's just so much goddamn noise. Like it's so irritating because a bunch of people are just like spamming things all the time. And you know, that's whatever, like the algorithm might help a little bit, but there's also this problem where I actually do want to get in touch with like certain people, right? Like I want to send them a DM. I think they might be interested in my thing, but there's no way to send like a high fidelity signal. Like, Hey, like I'm actually serious about this. I'm legit. If there was some sort of monetary way where I could like just stake my profile, like you see, Hey, this person's really invested in this thing, or like maybe they send a, a tip in a DM or like tokens in that way. Like there's gotta be some way where I can communicate value and raise my profile so I can connect with more people with some sort of tokenization thing. Like, I don't know what that looks like yet, but I think there's a lot of ways where you could make better social media platforms where you kind of keep down people that aren't like serious or, or just tend to spam. And instead like people that in some way invest and maybe you don't just buy mm. tokens right maybe there's a way to like earn them too by producing say good content or like doing other good things that make you a steward of think, the network you know you know who tried something like that i believe reddit tried something like that they kind of created a token in the whole nine yards and i believe they stopped doing it for some reason i don't remember what it was but like they, they really attempted that at scale apparently you'd have to build the platform um, really... from the ground up i think like i don't know if it would work because yeah. you'd have to structure the whole thing around this and again i don't know what it looks like but uh reddit if what, you already well, what happens morgan is like and then you try remember, to like duct tape a token to it that might be a little bit harder the, these things are also about trade-offs because here's the thing once you start putting like a token to something or likes or any other sort of social media sort of like lever, you wind up with perverse incentivizations that end up leading to sometimes like the very exact problems you thought you were trying to like avoid. Um, yeah, like just buying yeah, influence, it's, it's, for example. Like you don't, you, exactly. like, I do want you to be See, able to buy influence, but only to some extent, you know what I mean? Right, like, but how do you create all those levers in a like 
simple manner that everyone can understand and like that actually works has been like i mean basically what you're talking about fundamentally is the study of economics right that's pretty much what that is and like that's what governments do it's what corporations do it's what like cities do and everybody else it's like how do you incentivize certain behaviors and um is what you're trying to focus on but yeah it's, it's a we, it's a lot more complicated than one thinks. yeah like there, there's a whole economy of social media that I don't think has been quite worked out yet because we've never like, you know, it, it hasn't been until the past few years that we've actually had proper monetization and ownership plus social media. We've had social media, we've had blockchain, and I know there have been like some early projects in the, the web three social media space. Frankly, I haven't seen anything that's really stuck and resonated with me of, of how you solve this problem of, of economics of attention but, with social media. But remember, but remember, like back during RuneScape and EverQuest gold days, um, when people were really like selling this stuff on eBay and stuff, uh, you had this time period where a lot of people were um, in like Asia and whatever were using like prisoners and children and shit to mine, mine, like literally like, you know, play the game and mine the gold and everything and sell it. That was a huge industry. And it was like a black market weird thing that emerged. That's just give an example of like the- So wait, wait, wait. When I was, when I was 12 years old, I was literally buying gold coins from slaves in China. That makes me feel kind of bad now. Yes, yes. And in fact, I was like, I, I had like record breaking sales of like uh, my character and shit on EverQuest in like 99. Um, so I was like, I was into that. Um, and they changed the industry a little bit after like that, after some of our guilds sort of like made a whole bunch of money and shit, they changed some of the policies of the game manufacturers. And they also changed policies on eBay. They actually banned it for a while. I don't know if it's banned now, but it was at the time. Um, like, yeah, that there was a whole like series of perverse outcomes that were happening as a result of like monetizing real world value to a coin that otherwise would normally just belong in a video game really interesting stuff like i have whole stories about that whole thing i've done entire spaces about that like that whole thing but yeah i was more into the everquest side but i do know friends that were on the rune runescape side too I, yeah I, you're a guy i just so. feel like and that's you, oh, sorry carry on uh can you hear me is the audio yeah, you're good. yeah go for it yeah you're good cool yeah and it's basically i think probably what the sec wants to avoid happening again um so is there a, i think for me fundamental question is like if I'm a developer, like a soul or, you know, two or three people, like a small team, how do I like pay rent and buy food to develop some software for people to use without issuing securities? Do I just like uh, accept stablecoin crypto or is there some tokenomics way that I can do something? Um, you mean like uh, accept payment for like, hitting some sort of specific targets in terms of achievements or what, what do you mean? I don't know. That's the thing. Like the thing is there's so much like all these investments, uh, you, you have to go with like these huge companies because like, uh, you know, they have marketing teams and they can tell you what they're doing. But really, if you could like go with like uh, Wozniak or whatever and give them some money, that's pretty good. And I think there's a lot of people out there, especially soon with AI with like helping you code stuff. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of people like, making small projects and like uh if you know about them how do how do they get funding like without issuing security yeah, there's space? like a bunch of devs who like weren't like we're not trying to be like multi-millionaires we just literally want to build in this ecosystem and like you know still make a decent living right like how do we do that or is yeah. that the power of the sec they just get to tell people uh 
who gets uh, to start ventures. Yeah, a lot of developers have decided that like the quickest way to um, like complete a project is that like a lot of the tooling now allows people to spin up a blockchain at whim. Like, like you get a lot of it's open source, and so take for example on Cosmos, you can spin up a Cosmos sidechain now with even partial security on the Cosmos network on Cosmos Hub, and it just takes no time at all. Like technically speaking, if one a dev knows what they're doing, they could finish one up in like a matter of hours. Um, it's these things are that quick now. So the barrier to entry to create like coins and tokens and whatever is very very limited at this point. To like you could create infinite amounts of um, chains and and uh, blocks or whatever. Uh, block space is actually quite cheap now. The quite the big thing in crypto has been like what are the actual practical applications that people are bringing, and very few like legit corporations and things have brought any kind of like their companies on chain for some particular purpose. So um, like Morgan said earlier, a lot of those companies are going to be the new companies that do this from scratch, but then which of those are actually going to succeed and whatnot is really tricky. And right now, like pretty much any random new project that comes into space, like people throw money at it, like they'll, they'll buy it on DEXs or whatever. Now they may not be super successful. They may be only like, they only may be in the millions of market cap, but, um, but certainly like there's like infinite numbers of projects out there now, a lot of them by very small developers. Yeah. But those, like you say, they, uh, people buy their tokens or whatever. So they have to issue tokens and sell them somewhere. I mean, you um, could also just get paid for doing a particular task. Like, um, but then how, like, you know, so like one thing that, um, uh, Terraform labs was trying to build was like a workplace where, you could have like a work history and people could hire you to do stuff like maybe chain analysis or something. And you could do a certain amount of work and then you could get paid on an incremental basis, like a multi-sig will be set up and you'll get paid like 20% at a time of the work you've got done. Right. So there's different like workplace type things that people have attempted to create that haven't been finished yet. And then you could like advertise that you have certain services that you can do and then people can find you and stuff like that. So uh, like a Craigslist slash payment platform yeah. type of thing of some kind is some people have been working on that stuff too. And yeah, I think that's going to be huge. Like I'd love to make something like that, but it seems like you need to make something like that in order to unlock funding for like a uh, small people to do things. Because before then it's like, like you're saying, like pay someone for milestones. Yeah, and it's like, like I've got, I have a job. making the next Apple or whatever. I, I'm trying to find enough funding to like be able to do, you know, build in this industry full time. And it's a chicken or the egg problem, right? Like, oh, I can do tasks and get paid, but it's like I don't have time for that right now, right? Like right now, I just need yeah. something to give me confidence so that I can like pay rent for the next six months so that I can actually build something that makes money. Yeah, what happened in the crypto space for the past? couple years is with the gigantic you know clusterfuck that was like the ftx and collapse and a whole bunch of other collapses that happened as a result of um sam bankman fried's shenanigans directly um what ended up happening was that the crypto space got kind of wrecked and a lot of liquidity left the system over the last couple of years and it's just now barely recovering so like so yeah a lot of devs who had active projects, tons and tons of them that already had projects, couldn't get any liquidity to show up to use their apps and, and, and projects, which is fascinating outcome. So it's been a pretty bad 
couple of years in the development space around here? I mean, I guess my question is, I mean, I'm in the IT space for my real work. And my question to you guys would be like, you want to build something, I get it. You want to get paid, I get it. But like, to me, this is like, I don't know if you ever watched Gary Vee and how like you you want to do something you're passionate about, but then you still have to have your real job. So you got to find that balance of once it starts making you money, then you go full time in it. And I feel like that's the crypto space. Like people got to start dabbling in it and then they start making a little bit and then eventually and take over your full time income. Like that's kind of how I see it from my side. Um, I think that's a very good point, man. If you look at the raccoon supply team, they started exactly that way. Just before the bearer started, they built it all the way through the bearer for their own money, not getting paid. And they are just getting recognized left and right for their stuff, getting found, you know, community pool foundation grants to build on different people's chains. And it's just working out great. They're launching another new protocol. The beta release is on Friday, I think. It's called Shark More. Protocol. Morgan, your real quick, your your skill set is in what? Like what language and what what do yeah. you do? Um so primarily it's like TypeScript, I think would be most useful. I mean, I know Golang, you know, I, I also work with Solidity, of course. Uh, but I think one of the areas that's kind of undersold is like we just need great front end developers. Um, so I'm kind of trying to work in that space, but like, I mean, right now I'm, I'm working at Chainlink Labs and I very much love my role there. So it's not something I'm actually personally interested in right now to get money, but like it's like in general, I like, empathize because I work with like a lot of hackathoners and a lot of just super smart young people and they're financially screwed right now. You know, they're, they're coming out of school, they're 23 years old, they're like super smart and they've oh, yeah. got to work in the meat grinder that is Fang. And when you work at Fang, like you're just busy all the fucking time. And you really don't have extra capacity to start a startup. And I really wish that I could, like, I wish there was something that we could all do for young people like that. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of in the boat with you, but I, I'll disagree just a little bit, Morgan, just from the side of, like, coming from the corporate world myself, I, I grind, you know, nine, ten hours a day, but then I'm also grinding six to seven hours after. So it's like, you have to put in the work somewhere to get the initial capital. And then it's like, what do you take with the initial capital and what do you do with that? So I think my problem with, I'm not going to say younger generations, I think the, the philosophy I think more people I would like to have is how do you take something that's a steady income that can pay the bills, but at the same time go after a passion that then can turn into something bigger than that? And I think that philosophy mentality kind of has to come from just grinding 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 and then eventually you see a light somewhere i actually i, I really agree with that sentiment um but the one thing i will say is the problem is we're, we're kind of incentivizing these people that i describe right now they're super smart they're ambitious like they are doing that but the problem is they're going for quick money right like they're like ah, i need to make as much money as possible quickly so that i can like pay rent and that makes them just make a fucking meme coin it's like you could have built something great but instead, because of the economic incentives, you kind of were forced to make a meme coin when instead you might have preferred to build something to like get some revenue stream that gives you long term value so you can build something great. But the economic incentives as they are kind of shoot you in the foot, you know, and now I'm just going to build and a meme I think coin. That's social media. I, I think that's social media right there. That's what social media is doing to our, our, our minds. You got to be a millionaire tomorrow, period. Like that's that's what everyone sees across their feeds. 
And and it's funny because this was kind of what Steffi and I were going through, like with Luna, like it was when Lambo, when this, when that, because that's like, you can tell when you get to a point in this market, when I, I want to say normies start coming, but like more of the people that are just looking for the quick buck because the conversation starts changing very fast and they're just looking for a quick hit. You know, well, we'll, we'll build the next th stuff on chain. And I think that really will like encourage people. Like that's what I'm kind of hoping to do. I think that once people start seeing real businesses on chain instead of meme coins, like they'll be encouraged. So um, shameless plug, follow me. Uh, it's kind of what I'm trying to do. But uh, anyway, I got to head out and hit in the gym today. Peace guys. Hmm. Yep. Like <laughs> the folks trying to do actual real world things. Um, but yeah, I think lucky, like a lot of people are in that same boat. Like, if you're an entrepreneur, where's your capital coming from exactly? And if you have like some feasible like pitch deck of something you're trying to build, okay, you know, then you could look at like maybe getting some investors or something like that. But um, crowdsourcing that, people have done a little bit of that, but you know, there's only so many avenues for that. You know, finding VCs to invest in your your thing or whatever that is. But man, there's so it's it's not that easy to like break in in the tech space nowadays, like. The easy stuff has largely been built, right? That's the thing. <laughs> so right. the hard stuff is what's remaining. And that requires like oftentimes teams of people, not one individual. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think just entrepreneurs in general, that's a whole conversation we could have, right? It's like, you know, then you look at, you know, what's your goal? What are you spending? What do you have to cut back on? What are you giving up to get to where you want to get to? I mean, there's a whole like mentality philosophy around entrepreneurs that really make it because look at what they had to go through. I think there's the quick buck people that just think it's like, oh, I'm, tomorrow I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to make millions. And then there's the, it took me 10 years to get here. And now I'm a multimillionaire. Yeah. You get to grind and turn into an animal. Right. And only then can you make some software business that can be useful to millions of people. What, what's the saying? Like no one saw me from where I came from because they only see me now. Like no one knows what we all went through to get to where we're at right now. Right. Like that's one of my favorite things because no one knows. <clears throat> But Steffi, on a, on a crypto side note, can you look at, um, you guys brought up Trias. I have some of that. Can you look at that chart, Steffi? T-R-I-A-S. Sure, yeah. I think it had, it's kind of like first pump of the season, huh? I had it up earlier. Um, let me see here. Yeah, these I kind of various narratives like, oh, it's coming to China or whatever. I don't, I don't really know if those things, how relevant they are. Right now, it's got like 130 mil market cap with about three and a half million in volume. It's, um, let's see, it's still 59% down from all-time high, which is pretty good pump, actually. Yeah. Uh, especially for this early in the cycle. That's kind of a good sign. Um, so my, it's My average price is 620. Okay. Um, and I have a mark at 1038 to see if we come back right around there. Okay. I don't know if you see anything around the 1030 mark, if it's popping your eye for anything. You're kind of like at a 2X right now. This is 130 mil market cap. Um, I don't really know what this does. Does this have the, does this have the capability of being like a billion market cap coin probably or what? I mean, that's, I mean, that's, we all speculate that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but like legitimately, <laughs> does there like. I guess the previous market cap last season was like um, maybe 400 mil. So I guess it's feasible, yeah. especially if what uh, some of the guys were saying that like 
there it's actually doing something more than it used to. I don't know how the tokenomics or anything for this thing works, by the way. Um, so I'm not hundred percent sure um, what the, what the benefits of the thing are. So, but like pure chart action, um, yeah. it's basically put in a first pump, just like a whole lot of other things. Um, and it's first one was pretty strong, which is, um, a good sign. Usually did you, did you get it on a pullback to six? Or did you get it six on the way up? I got it, uh, six on the way up. So between that four and seven pump, I bought it right there around December okay. 17th. So if it topped out at like what, 12, uh, no, let me pull up the thing again. It um, topped up at like nine, pulled back to 690 and then shot up to 17. Okay, let me see what the three month. Yeah, so it was like, all right. Um, yeah, it, it's pulled back pretty good now. The question is like, how much more is it going to pull back? Is it going to do yeah. like a 7% retracement? Probably. Yeah. Um, so whatever 70% down from 17 bucks is, maybe that's a good like general indicator. Like, are you better off selling now after this pump? That's a legitimate question mark. Do you buy it back later if it goes down? If it doesn't, like take take your two X and walk. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, like these things generally, of course, in a bull market are going to do like a seventy percent or somewhere between a fifty to seventy percent pullback. I would say, right? So, and it's more than like more like eighty five to ninety five percent in a bear market. Um, so if we truly are in a bull market, the numbers look prettier. Otherwise, the retracement's even worse. <laughs> so <laughs> that's right. the way to look at it. But the other thing, the other question is to opportunity costs. Like, well, if you get a 2X here and you're not sure, then the other thing could be, the argument could be made that like there are easier multiples elsewhere. So for example, um, well, I take that back. Small market cap stuff can pump a lot more than larger market cap stuff. So always remember that point. But like you could either go with something else, small market cap, theoretically, and get something that has retraced even more already. That's one possibility. Or you go for something that's a higher market cap that's just about to take off, but maybe not as immediate like um, opportunity for like another 2X. So I think like another 2X would be perfect example would be like a chain link now, pretty good retracement. It's, um, it's already sort of like working on a consolidation for a couple months and more likely to go up faster. So, like, if I were to guess, I think an upward move for Chainlink in a month or two would be highly likely. For Trias's chart, like, it probably could be another few months just to retrace yeah. before the next jump. So, it depends on what you're trying to do and what kind of tax lots you're trying to tolerate, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I don't know. Because I've, I've been trying to play these layer ones more. So, mm -hmm. the other one I'm in is FRM. Okay. So, t take a look at that one for, for um Network. FRM? So yeah, like FRM. New thing? Yeah, it's at oh, it's at six cents right now. FRM, the Ferrum. Why do I recognize this name? Is it been around for a bit? It's been around since twenty one. Hit a top of ninety seven cents. Mm. If you if you look at the chart from twenty one to now, we kind of broke out of that descending triangle. Um, Plus side, it's only seventeen million market cap, but it's got a high FDV of like forty million. I don't know who owns those tokens. Yeah. Um, is a team or something. The trading volume is only 376,000, but that's not unusual for a 17 mil market cap. Um, yeah. It's down 93% from high. 
Um, yeah, it could run in a bull market type situation. I don't know if it's a useful chain or anything. So with all fundamentals aside, um, yeah. it's had a bit of a, like, let's see, what kind of run did it do? Um, let's see, over the last three months, it went from like... I mean like a 2x, maybe 3x. I think it was like six cents. Yeah. Uh, two, and then two cents to nine cents, so four, four and a half, five x. Okay. So, and then of course, like very few people had the exact bottom. So, right. Um, yeah, it hasn't run too much. I just, I don't have any clue what the potential of this thing is, but it's some kind of layer one for some special purpose. Yeah, or... I've been trying to play more of the layer ones kind of with this next bull run. I'm trying to stay away from all that meme stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, this looks, this looks early enough to where, you know, it, you know, if it runs, you know, with such a small market cap in a bullish market, these things could probably do 10 X's and things. Uh, like, but again, without knowing what it is and anything else, like that's just purely just the, the technical appearance of the thing really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now at the same time, like how much is it going to retrace here? That's another debate. Right. Um, Cause like, uh, what is the, like if you were going to get it now versus, like when would you pick this up? So I think it went like nine cents. You said, yeah, nine cents, and it's now at six. So it's like let's say it's a thirty percent retracement, approximately. Um, yeah, I think you could definitely drop some more. Yeah, so I, got six, here, I got six cents marked as a as an alert. Not a bad place to start scaling in, in theory. Yeah. Um, yeah. If if one was to be buying, but yeah, thirty cents probably is a good like. Or three cents, I'm sorry, would be probably a good scale in destination. Hard to tell though, man, like because these very small market caps, like what we don't know right now is is Bitcoin and everything else gonna take off right now and like run run it up back to fifty K? Or is BCC gonna take a breather and go to like the two hundred day moving average at like freaking thirty-three K? <laughs> so um so I think like if you already got a position and it's gonna run, fine. You know, uh, and if you have like the ability to get more, if something like this drops a lot, okay, great. So, yeah, I think just plan for either possibility. Yeah, I mean, I want to see BTC kind of just kind of go up and down here for a little bit and let our alt season kind of start. Oh, if it goes sideways. I, yeah, I've been tracking total three and total two pretty closely lately. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, total three. If we can get over that 534 billion mark that that last high we made, I got that alerted. I mean, we could shoot up and probably a good 200 bill to get up to that next level of resistance. I mean, and that would be significant for a lot of our bags. So that that would be super exciting. We had a nice pullback. So if you look at total three mm -hmm. from December 27th to January 9th, we kind of had a beautiful pullback to the 50% of the, the, the kind of the area before. And we shot right back up and we're kind of going up again. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of alts are retesting sort of like, so things were sitting at kind of a support and then they dumped the other day. And now we're retesting that like Kajira's doing it. And Link is doing it. Like everything is retesting, like the resistances one more time, and yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think you're going to know within like a week if everything's going to break. In fact, today's candle close this evening, you're going to know. Um, what do you? What were you looking again? Are you looking at BTC or were you looking at for today's candle close? So a simple altcoin like bellwether would be like just look at Chainlink as an example. Yeah, and 
Um, it's like, so we basically had a candle for last week and then we have the candle for this week. So just use the weekly candles only. Yep. I'm on. And, um, last week it was at like 1608. So if we are in the green, like by the, by evening time, like in the next five, six hours or whatever, whenever oh, candle closes 540, what people will see is that weekly candle close in the bullish, which would be like, um, where it like actually closes above the previous week. That's going to be like a higher high or yeah, like compared to next week. And then like, you'll see probably a chance that it starts to run along with the rest of it. Remember all these are somewhat correlated too. It's like all the altcoin charts sort of go together. So you could even use the total three quite frankly, and just use that weekly and see where we are. But, um, the, um, if we don't like, you know, then it's going to have to spend another week putting in a higher low and then another week. Right. It's going to start flagging where it's like making a triangle at that point. And that, yeah, I mean, that's that's going to play out over like a month, right? It's like usually <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, it's just going to drag. So yeah, I think today because why today is important is because we had a dump for last week, and today if we put in a full engulfing candle, meaning like we completely pop and take back all the losses and go back into gain within another within a week, it's super bullish. It's like a V-shaped recovery kind of thing, right? Yeah. So that's where, like, I think people will see that and go, ooh, it's time to run. And then, of course, they'll start piling in their leverage and other BS and everything starts to run. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like, everything is back right at resistance again. So it'll be interesting to see how that, um, well, yeah, I think I by so this many, evening, I had so many alarms firing, like, the last two days. I was like, what is going on? Like, everything was hitting, like, my triggers. Oh, on the way up, basically, or what? Like, like when we had that pullback, like, everything was firing on my trading view. <laughs> like, crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. So you could like buy things or whatever. Yeah, because Adam yeah. had a perfect pullback too. And I was looking at that. I mean, it's, if we can get over that 1150 mark, we'll, we'll be sitting pretty. Yeah. 1150-ish. Yeah. So like, I think, uh, yeah, plenty of stuff is um, like looking okay. I, I think the the plus side is that like the biggest bullish factor for the alts is that BTC dropped like from 50 down to 40, 50, almost 50 K to 40 K or something along those lines. And alts like barely dipped comparatively. Like they all recovered much faster. That's usually a positive feature. Like you look at the BTC pairings on everything, like almost everything popped um, some things more than others, but that's kind of cool. Like I think, uh that to me itself makes me sort of like more 80 percent bullish 20 percent bearish for the next week or two um but uh but it also depends on where your particular coin is in terms of its pump slash retracement right like if it's uh just pumped like last week or recently and it hasn't had a chance to pull back then it may not catch as much of a bid probably yeah as well i know we brought up alf a couple times to you but that one's doing pretty pretty well i will say yeah yeah shigeo seemed to like that i don't know how useful of a chain that is or it's just like it just has a good shill cartel or whatever i mean it's another layer one and it's it's doing well it's it's okay. kind of the technology behind it's kind of solving some of the problems of other chains so that's, that's what they're saying i see yeah it's always hard to tell what's an actual problem solver and what's just like you know uh either narrative pump or just you know like <laughs> shill cartel type shit yeah but hard to tell hard to tell yeah without doing really deep diving into code and stuff it's like hard to know 
everybody's white paper looks like the same shit for the most part for L1s, right? Like it doesn't really, it's hard to differentiate yourself on those. Yeah. I just, and, and people say that people say to themselves, wait, wait, why do I need another L1? Oh, you mean you're going to have like, Oh, a DeFi ecosystem and who's going to build that? And right. It's right. like a whole thing. I mean, I just, I just, I, it's so hard for me to explain how much I miss the Luna ecosphere of like all those apps we were, we were on. I just, yeah. like you could, we could, we were trading the stock market. We were doing, I mean, it was just, oh, so fun. It was, it so was fun. fun. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> it was the best Chuck E. Cheese of all the Chuck E. Cheeses. Um, yeah, it's a good location. <laughs> More ski ball machines and whatever. It was, yeah, it was like the best Chuck E. Cheese, like the big mall of America. We were like getting it, having fun. <laughs> the whole thing was full of machines. <laughs> and then it just got bombed and we all died. <laughs> um. No, I'm kind of, I picked up some more like Kujira and, and Zephyr this morning, like $17 and uh, $4 respectively. Um, and I think like Kuji is a pretty decent one you can scale into on dips because like the tokenomics are reasonable. And um, obviously the, the visual products speak for itself. The only thing I'm not sure about Kujira is, is like, is a lot of new money coming in. That's a debatable thing. Right. Cause like having the first pump on pre like more PVP where pre-existing people have threw a bunch of money into it, like that knew the system, but how many new people are coming to Kujira? I don't know. Um, and that's true for a lot of these like layer one plays. You have to presume that like some of it's just going to be like, nobody even knows what it is and people all over the world in China or wherever the hell else, like they're just going to throw money at things because the market's going up. And I don't know. It's weird how like in bull markets, you could literally buy just a thousand bucks of everything and everything 10 X is like, it's just kind of funny where you didn't actually have to know what anything does. You just presume that like everyone's going to show up to the Chuck E. Cheese at one time and they all want to play. Right. That's really all it really is. And so some of these charts, I look at them, I'm like, I don't know. It really depends. Do we just get a giga bull run for the next year or not? Um, and having years have been quite variable, right? Like having years oftentimes are quite flat or, have significant capitulations. It's never been like the happening year is typically the core year that is just straight up. Um, I think 2016 was the last time that was the case, right? It's been a bit. <laughs> so um, we've had some giga dumps during happening years as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, the Kuji chart looks good. I just looked at it. I mean, you, you came back, retraced, went up, retraced. I mean, it's healthy pullbacks. Yeah, good pullbacks and stuff. So yeah, I picked up a fair amount at five, and then like a much larger bag today at four this morning, uh, like uh, four dollars. I mean, not four a.m. <laughs> the good thing about Koji is it's got the whole ecosystem behind it as well. It's it's like it's almost emulating what Luna was, where it's they've got different dApps, different protocols that sort of thing where I don't know it, it, it gives me that sort of vibe yeah the the what is gives me a little bit of the uh, like less vibes on Kuji would be one the trading volume relative to its market cap is small um, and could be better and the second thing that makes me a little bit nervous about it is the TVL is not that high it's only like 100 mil TVL for a chain that's currently priced in at like 400 million market cap. So if you like believe in those kinds of metrics, um, which you probably ought to, like they're, they're reasonable metrics, um, you know, you could argue that like maybe it needs to consolidate for a lot of time this year before another run up. So you might like hold Kuji, it might, 
you know, go sideways for six months and maybe like other things run, right? It, it, you have to be prepared for that possibility. Um, which is why like this time uh, I've got like a good solid like dozen things, about four or five things that are my bigger bags. And even those are like variety enough where it's like, and there's off cycle too, like, like Chainlink ran early and then Zephyr came right, came right after that and then whatever, right? So by having these things like in staggering, like you could make the argument that if one of the things you have run, you could consider selling some of it and buying something that hasn't that you're also watching. Um, so there is kind of a benefit to being diversified that way. The, the only thing I don't like about Kujin, I mean, it's this is just me from the charting side is, I've been looking at all the charts from the high of, let's say, 21, 22 to the low of 23 on a um, on a log, logarithmic chart. And it's almost at its 1.618, which is at 640. And that's kind of like the target I've been looking for a lot of the charts. So like that 640 is kind of like where I would, you know, look for if I was buying lower. And so as I'm doing that across the charts, I'm looking at, you know, from the highs to the lows, what's broken out of their all times yet, and then what's the 1.618. But again, that's just my strategy. That's how I look at it. If, if you pull a fib, you know what I'm saying, Safi, from the, from the high to the low? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, if you can get it, if you have like good swing low, swing high, it's like really, really clean visually. Uh, it's a lot easier to plan some stuff out. Yeah. But yeah, like I think um, the consolidations look great. And it seems weird to me too. Like, like if you take all these coins that had their first sort of pump um, to wherever, like whether it's Adam, whether it's Link, whatever it is, all these things that had their first pump, like what are the odds that they go straight back down to their bear market low? That would seem really weird to me by now. Right, almost invalidates a, a eighteen month consolidation range. Now you have to test even lower. That would be weird. Yeah, especially pre halvening Right, it's just and then with no and then with the stock market in the green and everything else. So, like, I think my bias, even with this BTC pullback to like fifty day moving average, my bias is still sort of like in my head. It's still eighty percent bullish for most of these things, and that could be very very wrong. Like, what if it's the other way around? Um, and then then all my bags go down, and I have to just wait again. Um, that's quite possible. I mean, my bias is, and I know ETF, like let's not make a big deal about it, but that's money flowing into the ecosystem. Money flowing in is more money for total value for the whole crypto space. And so the charts are all setting up to look like something's continuing to come in. So I'm not looking to go back. I'm looking to go up and we're almost near all time highs for all the charts. I mean, I probably could show you 15 charts that look almost nearly identical. And so are we going to break out? Or are we just going to go back down? I'm in the boat of 80% going up and breaking out. Yeah, a lot of coins don't break prior highs, though, on subsequent cycles. It just that, that varies dramatically. I think if you're going for older coins, if you can pivot, like you can go to the ones that are high likelihood to break prior highs, um, that's ideal. Um, and everything will catch a bit in a bull market, but if you can break prior highs, then you'll really have a price discovery move. Um, to me, like that's why Chainlink, I'm heavy on it, because I think the odds it breaks prior high are high, just based on its fundamentals. Um, but like, I don't know about some other things. Like, if I, I bought some Litecoin, is that going to break all time high again? I don't know. Maybe. 
um, is, you know, like is, and then there's a whole bunch of little, little bitty layer ones that may not do it at all. It just depends on how much capital flows into the market this season. Yeah, I would agree. Let me see what your, let me see what the 1.618 for link is for you. It would be 230. So what is that? Almost yeah. That's where, that's where I got you at. So I was thinking of selling like 140. Yeah, I was thinking of selling at 140 possibly. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, that's, I would look, I mean, that's, you're about right. So you're about halfway to the high and um, on a logarithmic and yeah, 1.618 to 230. That's what I would target right there. 230. <laughs> Makes sense. Hey, Lucky, actually, I have to run for a bit. I've got to drop my kid at the airport. Um, let me catch you guys later. Okay, sounds good. See you guys. All right. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and plate Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets Dead ants dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days Got him acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these token knocks They probing this bear Flexing broken knives I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting knives And then to end a long day Eleven bowls of chronic Never known the politic I was born to frolic It's been my policy To pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists Jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity Before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss It's all moss And I'm liking the odds Fondue in the morning Forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, yo the world is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures Under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay Stacked and non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the high Stage. Like the shit is way for keeps clowns White knight and all these Maybelines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the street Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served